Welcome to Cypherspeak, Artifacts, Ciphers, and Podities. I'm here today with my co-host Darcy, who is a frenetic pack rat who can't leave anything behind. And I'm here with my co-host Troy, who is an overactive kinesiologist who salvages momentum. And this is Cypherspeak. Welcome, everybody. Today is the first in a two-part series of shows, uh, if you can call two shows a series. <laughs> We're going to. <laughs> we are going to. We round up. Um, the uh, new salvaging and crafting rules that are in Numenera Destiny. Um, we've gotten a couple of requests uh, to do an in-depth dive into this from a couple of listeners in a couple of different places. So um, we figured that this was a, a good Thing to dig into. So in this episode, we're going to focus on the salvaging portion of the rules and maybe a little bit into the plans, which kind of bridge between salvaging and creation. And then next show, we will kind of be talking about more of the actual building of things. So what does salvaging really mean in Numenera, Darcy? Well, if you've been playing some Numenera games and your players always want to dive into that machine, open that door, uh, dig in through that junk drawer, pull out that radiator combobulator. Uh, rob, rob people on the road. Rob people on the road. Uh, your players, if they're interested, you know, Numenera is a setting full of interesting stuff, right? There's ciphers all around. There's artifacts, Numenera, um, oddities. So if you know, your players are probably already salvaging in some form or another. Um, this uh, more formalized perspective of salvaging that we find in Numenera Destiny uh, is just an extension of that. So as the players are looking around for ciphers, artifacts, and oddities in the techno trash heap of the ninth world, um, <laughs> this this system lets you uh, lets the player have a bit more um, like look more intentionally for certain kinds of things. Um, as a GM, it lets you have a cute little subsystem to quickly pull out when there's some very, very strange device and your players are like, man, I want to, how do I, how do I get some stuff out of that? And you're like, uh, this, this little system gives you a sense of kind of randomizing some of those things or letting them have a chance at directly looking for a kind of thing. And this system introduces a whole new kind of Numenera that you can find or component called Iotum. Uh, so we're going to get into that, but I think that's a, a really important component of this system of salvaging, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, kind of jumping into our, our ciphers here, uh, you know, we'll start kind of talking about Iotum, and that's one of the the things that you want to to find, and they're kind of the the magical bits uh, that are are out there for for you to find. And then there's a lot of mundane things as well, and those are referred to as parts. Correct. So if you have this, uh, what what's a good like pop culture example of something that gets pulled apart? So you have Ray, my favorite example, uh, Ray <laughs> from The Force Awakens is uh, you see her rappelling down the inside of a of a fallen um, ATAT, right? And so she's spelunking around in this enormous machine and you know she's she's doing salvaging right she's mm -hmm. uh, absolutely yanking out components out of this big machine and she's scrubbing them up and trying to figure out take them all apart and sell them 
So what she's pulling out of there, you know, there are bits that kind of have function and in Numenera have iodum that seems to be powering something or maybe a fully functioning cipher or artifact even. Um, But then you have all this other stuff, the casings that take the the magical bits and fuse them to something or, uh, you know, tie it to like a a fan or a propeller, right? You have all these like mechanical parts. Um, They don't have to be mechanical parts, but, but, you know, attachments and struts, things like that. So you can't just like jam a magical slime into, I don't know, (laughs) uh, into the right shape and hope it works that way, right? You need parts to give it structure and form. So as you're salvaging you're getting all these nuts and bolts and struts and bits of flat pieces of metal or synth. Um, and those are really useful for crafting too. So you, and you know, basically what I'm seeing in this system is that you're, anytime you're pulling something apart, you're probably getting some parts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think um, a good example of, of that is kind of, if you are familiar with the fallout video games, like anytime you take something apart in the most recent uh, fallout game, like you get some basic parts, right? Like you get some nails or you get some wood or, you know, bits of metal or whatever. So you always kind of get the basic parts. But when you take apart like a, a ray gun or something, you get like the the fusion bottle or, or something like that. I don't remember exactly what they're called. It's been a while since I played Fallout. But, um, you know, so like you have like that one piece of iodum and then you kind of have all the bits that were holding it together in that form to maybe mm-hmm. use for some new form, right? Some nails and some wood and what have you. Yeah. So you have parts, you have iodum. Let's talk a little more about like what iodum consists of. You know, I, I'm really thinking of it as the the magic quote unquote component of any Numenera thing you're going to find, right? This is, these are really strange powerful substances um they're they're necessary if you're wanting to craft something you know powered and impressive and an installation of some sort of weird like i don't know watchtower that fires rays of some kind of energy out at your enemies right you'll need some kind of iodum to power that um in addition to all the parts Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And one thing that you said there that I think is maybe uh, an important piece of vocabulary that we'll try to stick to today is things that are Numenera and that you need iodum to create are generally called installations, uh, where if it's just, I want to build a house, that's called a structure, right? So like to build a house, you probably only need parts. You don't need any iodum for your house, unless your house has like a shield or something built into it. Um, so I think that that's the uh, vocabulary that they tend to use. Is that correct? Uh, we are going to get into this more in the crafting section, okay. and I'm not going to introduce inaccuracies here. So Sounds good. Uh, there's many, there's plans for all sorts of things, right? You might want to make a handheld ray gun. When we're talking about big things you'll want to build for your community, sure. you're totally right. There are structures for, I want to build a hut a lean-to, a house, uh, versus something that's powered, which okay. is an installation. So yeah, so we'll table that uh, <laughs> for the next episode. Yeah. So basically, you know, you have, you're, you're trying to get this iodum. So you're trying to build a thing and maybe you have a plan and it requires, you know, uh, a certain piece of iodum. Or maybe you're just collecting iodum and you'll figure out what you're going to build with them <laughs> later. You know, mm-hmm. you don't... Maybe you don't have anything in mind. It's more of just a, oh, let's just wait and see what we get and then find something to build, you know, with that. So 
I, I think the important thing to think about is that IOTAM, sort of like ciphers, are kind of priceless in that they're hard to buy or sell unless you are trading other IOTAM for them, right? Like they basically are their own bartered currency. So it, it's pretty much impossible to buy IOTAM with just shins, which is, you know, the standard currency of the ninth world. Um, but each piece of IOTAM has kind of a value associated to it. So some IOTAM are much rarer and obviously then much more expensive and you could trade them for maybe several smaller ones or vice versa. If you have several of the smaller bits, you could trade that for one of the larger bits. Right. I kind of imagine, you know, some ninth world wizards kind of coming together and saying, well, I have eye of Newt and you have over there uh, why a unicorn hair. Like they're sort of trading at that level yeah. as opposed to, you know, uh, I'm buying apples from the apple cart salesman. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, absolutely. So the interesting thing about Iotam or, or one of the interesting things is that beyond just being used to craft things, um, some of the Iotam have things that they do all on their own. Um, most of them, as far as I've seen, I think are sort of one use. So they kind of almost double as a, a cipher in that way. Uh, a couple examples that, that I sort of liked that I pulled from the book, uh, one is apt clay. So you have this, you know, sort of clay-like substance that you can eat. <laughs> um, and somehow, you know, what this clay does is as you eat it, uh, it's terrible. It upsets your stomach. So you take <laughs> one like speed point damage, but you get one uh, point to your intelligence pool. You know, if you want to go on a diet of apt clay to make yourself smarter, I guess that, that that's an option. Mm -hmm. You know, another one is mimetic gel. This is interesting uh, because you can actually submerge an item inside of it and it will create a copy of that item, uh, potentially. There is a role involved, and on failure, it just creates an explosion. Yeah. <laughs> this is why you don't use the raw substances, <laughs> right. usually. Yeah, they, they definitely are not, like, super positive, but they, they do have some uses. Um, and then, of course, there is uh, the Midnight Stone, which has a nice random table of effects to roll on. And we love random tables of effects. Mm -hmm. So you can use your Midnight Stone and good or bad things could come of it. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's just interesting that and not every Iotum has, you know, kind of a specific use outside of its crafting use, but some of them do. And, and I just thought that that was interesting that they do have some standalone value if you're playing in a game where your your players maybe aren't focused on building a lot of things, but they could still find some of these iotum and they could have uses. Yeah, I think it's important for the narrative for me too, right? So we started the episode talking about iotum, but really there are all these different kinds and they're interesting and uh, kind of fascinating to find on their own. And I think that's an important way that crafting doesn't become a like mindless uh, process where you're just mm -hmm. sort of churning through arbitrary components. Like the, the fact that these materials are interesting in and of themselves sort of helps keep it in the narrative for me. Um, even if you definitely see the value of using them for something more strategic than just using them by themselves. Yeah, that's, and maybe, you know, like that's an interesting 
I guess, conundrum maybe you can attempt to present to your players with some of these is maybe they're trying to save up some sort of iotum to build the thing that they really want, but then a piece of iotum is also the solution to the specific problem directly in front of them. And they have to kind of decide, oh, do I spend this iotum here that I've been saving uh, to get through this challenge? Or, you know, is there another way around this challenge so I can save my iotum? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about salvaging. So, we've, you know, maybe you have some iotum. Maybe you're looking for some iotum. Maybe you just found a cool big piece of Numenera you want to take apart. Um, <laughs> so the system, ha- like the, the section on this is made me relax a lot more. So I think I was really nervous about salvaging. I'm like, oh my gosh, a new subsystem. How does that, you know, I haven't, I haven't had to learn something new in Cypher system in a long time. (laughs) So I was like, oh gosh, I'm going to be bad at it. But, uh, so before we even dive into that, it's gentle, it's elegant, it's exactly what you'd expect from Cypher system. And, uh, the section has a lot about common sense, right? So, uh, this, this little subsystem is something to dip into, but keep focused on the narrative, right? And it always points back to the narrative. So one thing I love is, you know, which skills come into play. So, you know, there's going to be some sort of salvage task. You're going to, maybe you're good at salvaging. Maybe you're good at uh, understanding Numenera and maybe that will help. Maybe you're trying to bust something open. And so your training and breaking things will help. Um, Maybe someone can scan an area and then they can find the right, you know, a really good spot to sort of pry something apart and get at the good stuff. So um, I really encourage GM Zen players to get creative with this, like talk talk narratively about how you're going to pull this apart. And then you can bring together these cool assets you have, these tools or skills. Um, So I think that that is my like main emphatic thing is like, don't forget to treat this like everything else in in the game, right? Uh, Get flexible with it, get specific and, and have fun. So Let's talk about goals. You might just want to pull that thing apart and f- see what you find. Uh, that's that's one sort of goal you can have. Um, you could be looking for specifically for ciphers and oddities. Like I'm not a crafter. I'm I'm a I'm a nano who just wants to use ciphers. So I'm specifically looking to pull apart pieces that uh, that will kind of function on their own. Um, or you could be looking for iodum. So I'm looking for those valuable nicely preserved component parts that, that you really want to pull apart to um, to use for something, probably to craft, right? And uh, looking for iodum has its a, a cute little chart for it by itself. But let's talk general. So you're trying to salvage something. Uh, what happens first, Joy? Uh, well, so the first thing is, you know, when you kind of, as a player, you're like, hey, uh, I want to look around and see if there is anything to salvage here. The GM has to kind of say, oh, is there anything here that is actually worthwhile, right? Is there a suitable source of whatever they're looking for uh, to salvage? Um, Assuming there is, uh, which there is all over the ninth world because it Mm -hmm. is really a trash heap, um, (laughs) you know, then the GM has to decide on, okay, what is the level of the, the object or the machine or whatever that they are attempting to salvage? Mm-hmm. And that that level is pretty important for like, you know, the kind the levels of things that you're going to be able to find in it. So um, as a GM, if you if you end up knowing your players are like looking for certain kinds of iotum, you know, I, I might make sure I'm putting high enough level machines that they can pull apart to find those really rare or powerful iotum. But yeah, you pick a level per usual. Um, my instinct as a GM, just to talk about this for a moment, is like, you know, if someone asks, is there a chandelier? 
I usually say yes and, or sometimes I learn yes but, right? <laughs> yes but it's really hard to get to, or you know how you know make it a challenge. So, um, and I I think that would be my temptation too. Is like, is there something salvageable here? And I could say yeah, but it's not really worth the time it would take to pull apart, or maybe you're on the run. So I would. You know, I would probably never say, almost never say, there's nothing here. Because Numenera is full of stuff, full of weird stuff. Um, but I would might say there there's stuff here, but it's not worth your time. There's stuff here, but uh, it looks really, really hard to get to. Um, you know, if, if you're going to say there's it's not a good salvaging place, um, you know, I would think about why you're saying that and how you can drive the narrative forward with it. Yeah, and, and I think of an interesting thing, a lot of times I think of it, like archaeological like digs or whatever Mm. you know there's always stuff there but in so many of them the good stuff is already gone oh yeah great point right you know so like i think if somebody says hey is there anything here to salvage and i'm like you kind of look around and like yeah there's definitely some stuff here but it looks like somebody else got to them first yeah you know and like hey you can dig around but you know it's only like a level to salvaging site right so they could get maybe there's a couple like basic bits or whatever left laying around yeah that's a great great way to put it um so let's assume that there's a salvaging task they're going to attempt there's some level of the of the area or the device or uh, whatever they're salvaging um and they're going to attempt a a salvage task equal to that level um so they're going to bring to bear just like we said skills and other assets um, in the book, there's some suggested s- skills that especially lend themselves. Um, you know, uh, delves are really good at finding the good mm-hmm. salvaging stuff. So <laughs> pe- yeah. <laughs> um, so if they fail, uh, they don't find any iodum or ciphers or anything, or they broke it and it became inaccessible. Um, but they still get one part, right? You're still able to pull off. You pulled off that weird strut and the whole thing came came falling apart and now you can't get to it and you have that one strut good for you uh so on success uh that's where we get into the the fun stuff so uh if you're looking for whatever there's a nice little random salvaging table and so that it's a table of tables right it's like a oh if you roll a percentile uh, i think it's percentile if you you Mm. know you roll first find out do you find a cipher oddity parts or whatever and then you go to those individual tables to find out what kind of cipher you randomly found um, so that's that's always fun for me. I, I love uh, random cipher tables and oddity tables. Um, plus, so if you you know you get a level six cipher or something, um, uh, maybe you get a level six cipher and uh, a level two cipher. So you get you get those two ciphers. You know what they are. Plus, you also get a number of parts equal to the levels of the Numenera you find added up. So you would also get six plus two eight parts. Um, so I, I really like that. Um, the the parts aren't really interesting by themselves, but they kind of are an extra bonus of like, yeah, now you, you have ciphers and you have more material in case you want to build more stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other thing to remember is uh, shins are often salvageable, little little shiny bits of metal that might be pretty or precious for some reason in that area. You know, shins are always kind of interesting. And often when you're salvaging, the GM kind of is expected to like throw in a few shins, right? I think I think you can get... Uh, roll for random shins on the table, but as it seems like it's often recommended, you just like, you know, throw in some shins occasionally, <laughs> you know, as you're yep. picking things apart, you'll find something that's appropriate. So if you are looking for iodum, that's where it gets a little interesting. Do you want to lead us into that, Troy? Sure. So if if you're looking for a, a specific uh, kind of iodum, 
Um, then basically, you, as Darcy alluded to earlier, if the salvage site is level five, you cannot get greater than level five iotum from this salvage site, right? This machine or uh, room or whatever just isn't complicated or advanced enough to to kind of contain that particular um, salvage. Uh, but assuming that it is, then basically you you use a second roll uh, using the level of the desired iotum. And on a failure, again, you can't find that specific iotum, so you don't you don't find anything. Um, again, you could break it. So maybe you find it, but then you break it and it doesn't work. So you find mm-hmm. find some like... Mimetic gel spilled everywhere. <laughs> yes, all over the floor. Um, and then it starts making copies of your boots or something. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but on success, you get whatever that Iotum is. So, you know, if it's like, oh, this is a level six uh, crafting site and they're looking for an amber crystal, which is a level six uh, piece of Iotum. You say, okay, they, they make one level six roll. And if they make that roll, uh, yeah, there's a potential that it's here. You you see some, you know, uh, or a crystal like buried deep in this machine. You got to make one more roll to actually get it out. Uh, and if they make that roll, they get it out. If they don't, you know, they, they try to get it out and the crystal breaks or something. So that's kind of how I look at the two rolls narratively is the first roll is, yeah, there's definitely some iotum here and maybe even the type of iotum that you're looking for, like you can see it or know that it's inside this machine just based on experience of how it works. But the second roll is basically extracting it, you know, being able to get it out. Mm-hmm. So if you if you aren't looking for a specific iotum, uh, but you do know you want iodum. Like basically, people who are looking for crafting materials, you can, uh, if you make that first salvaging roll, um, you will find some random iodum. Right. Yes. Then um, you just roll on the the random percentile table, and you get an iodum. Yeah. So that's how that works. It's not too bad. It's uh, it makes iodum stay special uh, while mm-hmm. still letting you look f- targetedly for things that you want. You know, you want to build for. Right. And uh, so the other thing that we should mention maybe about Iotum here that uh, I could have put up front is there are also some type abilities that use Iotum. You know, specifically, I know the Delve has some. Um, I can't remember if the Rite has any as well. But, you know, so there might be some characters or if you don't have a lot of crafting in your game, if they have some of those abilities, they may still be looking for iotum just to fuel their their abilities. So another thing where you can introduce this particular salvaging into your game, even if the whole crafting aspect isn't really of interest. Mm, absolutely. And uh, it, it's worth mentioning as well that like a jack can craft and can salvage. Yeah, uh, absolutely. These are not... Um, you know, you can just like most cipher system characters, you can kind of grow into to taking on an activity that your character isn't necessarily optimized for. That's perfectly acceptable. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so do you think we have time to talk about plans, Troy? Um, yeah. Why don't we start talking about plans just a little bit and then maybe we can use that to kind of bridge into uh, the crafting on the next side. Perfect. So um, one other thing you're, is is a thing you're going to be looking for in the ninth world, and those are plans. So, 
uh, if I hand you a vial of mimetic gel, you are not going to know what to do with that, right? <laughs> so plans are what is required to craft Numenera. So ciphers, installations, artifacts, automata, vehicles. You know, you need you need a plan to uh, create it. There's there's a little bit of rules for like if you're trying to improvise something, stitch it together. But if you want to make something that works reliably, you got to have a plan. You have to figure out how you're going to make it. Mm-hmm. So what I really like about this is when I hear plan, I think of like an architectural plan, like blueprints. And yep. I'm like, how does that make any sense to me? You know, it just feels I, I was really confused by that at first. Um, now I understand that like plans and plan seeds sort of a, a fragment of how to build a thing that inspire it, you know, solves an important problem for you that you can then build off of. Uh, they take interesting forms, right? Often it might be an Aeon priest has been studying this weird Numenera device for, uh, you know, 40 years and has taken (laughs) elaborate notes on it, right? So Uh he's been studying this kind of device, this kind of phenomenon. Um, He's made all these sketches and taken all these notes and done these experiments. Um, That is is something you could take and uh, and turn into a plan. Um, A strange voice that whispers an idea directly into your your brain even – uh, could be a plan or a plan seed, um, a song or pulses of light. Um, the data sphere could be consulted to give you a kind of a plan. Um, the thoughts of cryogenically frozen heads. So get weird about it. It's Numenera. It's what you expect. Um, and I've been using this term plan versus plan seed. So uh, the plan seed is kind of like an idea, um, a fragment of those notes, uh, you know, a song that gives you an idea, but you still have to kind of uh, process that. And, and once you've processed a plan seed, the core idea, then it becomes a proper plan. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really like the whole, uh, stressing of that the plan or the plan seed can kind of take any, any form, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, that was, that was one of the things that, that didn't make a lot of sense to me either when I was first thinking about this was, well, yeah, how, how are these things just laying all over the place? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, no, they're, they're still harder to access or maybe you need, you know, the right kind of people to to kind of take this idea and put it into action, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's there's plenty of kind of real world examples where somebody has like documented and spent time kind of like watching something or some machine or some ancient thing that was built and has no idea how to actually reproduce it. And then Mm -hmm. somebody else comes along and looks at their notes and is like, oh, I think that you could make this with it. That's an interesting idea. And then they go forth and make it right. So that's, that's kind of what I look at here and how I, how I look at that. So that, that's really cool. I really like the idea of like finding like a, like a voice recorder where somebody's like, you know, like spelling out what this thing is and how to build it. And you're just constantly like rewinding the tape, you know, yeah. to like, <laughs> like, oh, what, what, I didn't understand what they said, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's tons of different ways you can present these plans. Uh, absolutely. Um, and I would love to put weird instructions in that too, right? Like when the third light turns green, you must whistle in this, you know, this <laughs> tonation and otherwise the whole thing falls apart. I don't know why, but I figured that out worked and now we have to do it or the whole thing will work, <laughs> you know, right. still keep it Numenera weird. So, uh, uh, often you'll come across like plan seeds if you're salvaging something or, um, maybe, maybe you come upon, uh, 
maybe the GM gives you some plant seeds because you're in this weird data sphere nexus and you have some weird stuff downloaded to your brain. You could say you have a plant seed. If you take this info to a right, um, they'll automatically turn it into a proper plan over a period of days. So if you're like, if you consult someone who's like, whose whole business is making plans and and working from them, uh, they'll help you turn that into a proper plan. Uh, you know, if you're maybe not a right, I, I would imagine you'd have to make some roles, um, things like that. So again, you just basically want to distill the info into something useful. So when you find a plan seed, you know, you're trying to figure out, okay, like what form will this actually take? So I have some good idea of a Numenera. And so there are two roles you make. Uh, you make a, what type of plan seed is it? Is it making us, you know, would the usable product of this be a cipher, an installation, artifact, automaton, or a vehicle? Um, so you'd roll on that uh, random table to determine that. And then you would go to the relevant uh, cipher, random cipher table, random installation table, um, et cetera, uh, which gives you the minimum crafting level as well. So we'll get into that next episode. But I would say, you know, as a GM, I might I might have an idea that like, you know, if they're in the equivalent of an eighth world Ford factory plant, they're going to find some plan seeds for vehicles, right? Yep. So uh, I think that's sort of up to the GM, um, whether they, they want to get some random plan seeds or whether um, there are some things that obviously lend themselves to certain kinds of uh, things. So I would maybe, often I might say, uh, you know, it's clearly something you could turn into a vehicle, Let's but roll for the random vehicle. That could be fun. Sure. Um, you know, something that I think I would do with some of these plan seeds is... Um, I've, I've done this in some past campaigns for a variety of things, but it kind of strikes me as maybe a interesting thing to do here. And that's what I used to have my players do in like my D&D campaigns is, hey, write down a list of, I don't know, five magic items per player that your character would be interested in Ooh. so that I could put some of that loot, you know, as, as they go so that there's actually magic items that they care about right i mean i'd still have random magic items and there'd be some other stuff but you know if if they want a plus one battle axe hey let's put a plus one battle axe in there eventually so that they get kind of the weapon that they want so if you know if they've kind of got a list of you know hey we really want you know like these three installations and these four vehicles and these two ciphers or whatever um you know, hey, maybe once in a while like that, you can put that specific plan in there that they're really, really looking for, um, you know, or, you know, make a make a quest about, you know, oh, you're looking for this installation uh, or looking for a plan for this installation. Um, you know, I've heard that there's one over in the the Black Riage, you know, mm -hmm. in this, you know, cave system there was a hermit who knew how to build that thing or whatever right and so they go on a quest to get this very specific seed because you know there, there's a place that has it or that they know yeah. about it the wizard's tower who might uh right yeah might contain it you know yeah. i think it's fun to to see what kinds of magical items attract players by putting them in a, you know, a place full of interesting magical items that they can't have, you know, <laughs> and just watch, watch it when their, their eyes light up. So, um, that's or, always, or, or have an NPC sort of ask them, right. You can, you can make it narrative in addition to, uh, making it meta, but sometimes players don't want to do that. So sometimes you just have to be blunt and meta with them. <laughs> yep. Uh, or, you know, uh, they have a dream where they can just choose whatever things they want and then they have them 
for a little Ooh. while until they wake up and then they're sad. Nice. I like that. Um, so one, one idea we had for the end of, end of this uh, little segment is thinking about salvaging um, in other genres with, that you could use the cipher system. So Troy had already mentioned Fallout. Uh, it's one of my favorite favorite games. Uh, the crafting system is wildly addictive and fun. Uh, and I'm really happy that this this system came along for my favorite tabletop game, too. Uh, what other ideas did you have, though, Troy? Uh, so a couple other ideas I had. One was uh, an aquatic uh, setting where um, there is, you know, plants or fish or other objects that are deep under the water that you have to go uh, kind of explore and find and salvage maybe to, you know, keep the, the surface world going, right? Like maybe mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, I don't know, global warming, there's like just very little land left. So you have to go places that were land and underneath or something, you know, just uh, just thinking about, you know, salvage operations here on Earth, right? Like there's a lot of things that we try to salvage from the oceans, mm-hmm. right? Because ships have sunk or whatever um you know that kind of you know game um and then the other one i had is um inspired maybe a little bit by mass effect um, and that's like a galactic planet spanning salvaging right so you you go to a planet and you know maybe you're just driving around in your little range rover or whatever they call that thing and uh (laughs) you know and there's a couple of a couple of spots to salvage right you know and like get some stuff right and maybe to make your ship better yeah right like improve your ship is the thing that you're trying to improve in mass effect or make better guns or, or or whatever it may be right so i mean there kind of is the same kind of salvaging crafting system you know, in that game that I think you could adapt uh, these rules uh, to use. For sure. Or you could be, you could play a game where you're sad little left behind mining robots and your whole game is about going and finding weird minerals and uh, processing your, the fact that your humans have gone extinct, right? I want to play that game. I think that's a sci-fi story I read that was really good. Uh, That sounds like Wally. Uh, maybe, yeah. I don't know that I've seen Wally, but I know the oh premise. Oh my gosh. I know. Yeah. I love sad robots so much too. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I think the salvaging system is going to be super easy to apply to anything that has this kind of need in it. Um, yeah. yeah absolutely. And we'll get into crafting next week. Yep. So, so yeah, we'll kind of pick up from, uh, you know, maybe the transition from plant seeds into plants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll talk about how to actually make some stuff with those plants. Yeah. So what's your potty this week, Troy? Uh, so my potty this week is 13 Demon Princes, Hell's yes. favorite dating show on Kickstarter. Uh, so this is from our uh, friend Brandon uh, and Riverhouse Games. Uh, this is a, uh, a LARP. Um, it's actually a, uh, a hack of another dating uh, sim game, uh, Singularity, uh, which is the transhuman dating show uh that, which that i contributed made. to yes which which darcy actually uh actually uh contributed to that one um but this is a hack of that game about um dating shows for uh demon princes uh so if you want a nice little uh fun looking larp uh, i definitely uh suggest taking a look at uh 13 demon princes mm-hmm 
Uh, my podity this week is Ringweb. Uh, it is there are a lot of Cipher System uh, Twitch shows going on right now, and Invisible Sun Twitch shows. I'm gonna try to do my best to round them up coming up here soon, but uh, they are exceeding you know beyond my ability to sort of keep tabs <laughs> on all of them. But one that just uh, started up, and since we're talking about Numenera, is Ringweb. Uh, it is a new actual play on Twitch um, by Alcuin Gersh. Uh, and it has a who's a fantastic GM. Um, they have a really nice studio space, a really fun cast. And one of the cast members is Sam DeLev. Uh, they are a performer from Callisto 6, the Cypher mm-hmm. System Supers, Cyberpunk, Geek and Sundry <laughs> uh, alliteration show. <laughs> uh, and so Sam is... Uh, the most energetic human being I've ever seen in my whole life. Yeah. Uh, they are wonderful. So um, this is going to be a, a Numenera show to watch. Um, I haven't caught the first episode yet, but it's on my to watch list today. So check it out. It's RingWeb, and we'll have a link in the show notes. Absolutely. Uh, and if you need something uh, for your ears, uh, may I suggest uh, Advantage to Insight, another show on the Misdirected Mark uh, Network. And Advantage to Insight is one fan, one topic, and the best results. Advantage to Insight speaks to the fans of Dungeons and & Dragons and what interests them, and hopefully you. So if you have any thoughts about salvaging or questions about salvaging... Uh, or anything like that, uh, please reach out to us on Twitter at CypherSpeakPod. And if you have uh, longer form comments, questions, ideas, etc., please send us uh, your artifacts, ciphers, and podities to uh, CypherSpeakPod at gmail.com. And uh, if you'd be so kind as to subscribe to this podcast, we always appreciate it. Um, and please, uh, you know, if you feel motivated, rate us on iTunes or give us a, a little review. We always love uh, hearing how you guys are liking it. Um, so Troy, I cleaned my room pretty well lately. What do you think I salvaged from it? Oh boy. <laughs> Those things are probably unmentionable on air. <laughs> Cypher Speak is a member of the Misdirected Mark Podcast Network, the media arm of Encoded Designs. <sighs> we did the thing. That's a podcast.